to another episode of Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a good Sunday. Uh, you know, don't have anything going on with school because it's winter break. Um, you know, uh, for the most part, I mean, I know the winter or the off season, excuse me, and a lot of people called it boring. And to an extent, it definitely has been like there hasn't been a lot of action. I understand. We have had a couple of like small news here and there. But, you know, I, I think it's just kind of the nature of how Major League Baseball off seasons are going to go. Um, you know, we're kind of seeing more teams shy away from, you know, making these blockbuster deals or upping the price tag on when they trade away uh, Major League Caliber talent. Because I think what we're seeing is that we, we've kind of seen a, a history of, of teams selling and, and they never win the deal, right? Like you, you rarely see a team trade away a star player and they get a player of equal value in return. That's almost become like kind of an oddity. So understandably so, like the White Sox are saying, hey, look, we don't want to lose the Dylan Cease trade. We want to actually get better. We want to actually get, you know, players are going to make us better. So yeah, it makes sense that they're like, hey, Baltimore, you better give us Jackson Holiday because that's their best bet of getting a guy who's going to make them better. That's a guy who can start on their team tomorrow and you can all but guarantee is going to be an impact player at the major league level. Um, you know, it's, and, and there's no salary cap. So it's like, you know, there's an incentive to get things done early or sign early. There's not an incentive to clear salary early. Um, teams are going to let the entire offseason play out and teams are going to use the leverage of, if you don't sign a contract in spring training, you're probably putting yourself behind the eight ball. Um, you know, we saw what happened with like Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, uh, what was it? 2018, right? Um, if people want a faster market, they have to change the rules of free agency and, I don't think there's a perfect solution for that. So Dems just, that, that's just the breaks. Like that's just how this is going to go until something changes. And I don't think a salary cap really does more good than bad. I think it does more bad than good for baseball, honestly. So there's that. I agree with everything you just said, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit later. It's funny that you're still on break because we just came back from break and everything. And I was at the field and so many people got sick. Dude, high school is just a, like a super spreader event for whatever flu covid cold whatever it is it's just everybody got sick as a I recent still, high schooler yeah it gets bad I, it's bad i had in december i had like a weird thing for a day where my stomach was kind of bugging but like the i've seen people who or whatever they get they're knocked out for like a week man so take care of yourselves wash your hands and everything do what you need to do um before we get into the recent string of uh news and and moves made and everything uh, Ryan and I have discussed on this podcast multiple times about a need for a better culture and, and being accountable, especially as men and you know, with respect to certain situations. Um, there was more news in regards to one of the situations that we have discussed before uh, in the Wander Franco uh, trial, I guess you could say at this point, I feel like that's fair to say. Um there was some updates, and uh, all of them are bad. All of them. None of them are good. Just all of them make your skin crawl. All of them make you feel worse about yourself. All of them make you feel worse about society. It's just all bad. Um, but basically, um, what had happened was after Franco had signed his large extension, um, he approached this 14 year old girl's mother and said, I will give you money. If you let me have, you know, if you let me assault and abuse and do terrible things to this woman. Um, and it's awful. Every part of it is awful. And what's even worse is I, 
I can't even say that this is like a new low or anything because this has happened before. We we had the Felipe Vasquez situation a few years ago. We've had other players in the past. I mean, Pete Rose. I mean, Roger Clemens. I mean, like guys who have confirmed to have relationships with minors or people that were extremely young um, and have had negative consequences for the victims. So it's not a new thing. This is not a new low. This has been hit before. We've gotten to this place before. And, you know, I'd like to think at times we're making improvements, but then this comes out and within the same day, Trevor Bowers at WFAN doing an hour long interview. And, you know, Salakera didn't, let him off like super easy. He did challenge him a little bit, but Brandon Tierney is just letting him get away with everything. And there's not like follow-ups of like, Hey, you know, from Tierney, there are from Lakeda about, you know, there are multiple women accusing you of this and like your answers are not very good and everything. So it was just a really bad week for accountability in baseball and media was running positive pieces about Bauer. I mean, the Cincinnati, I think it was Inquirer, wrote basically like, oh, he's not going to have, or he said he's not going to have casual sex anymore. As if that was the problem, which is ridiculous to say that that's the issue people have with that. No, the issue is that he assaulted these women, that he did things without their consent. Not that it was, you know, meant to be a casual encounter. Dear God, not everybody is, you know, a son of God per se. This is just infuriating that would like I, the Franco situation is so much worse, so much worse. But to see this kind of like media tour for Bauer is also extremely frustrating. Like we can do so much better. And the fact that Bowers even getting a hint of a chance to come back is disgusting. Franco, I am confident, will probably never play another game in Major League Baseball. Yeah, so, you know, I wanted to highlight something you said where you mentioned, you know, uh, we've had a lot of incidents where with, with, with situations like Franco, we're talking about improper relations with minors where we've seen the negative consequences for the victim. But the same cannot be said for the perpetrator. We have rarely seen, like we talk, the, the players you just mentioned, there are probably p- people listening to this podcast who are like, what do you mean Roger Clemens? What do you mean Pete Rose? Like, like what are you talking about? Felipe Vasquez was a well-documented case, sure. But there are, like, I was not aware about the situation with Roger Clemens until maybe two years ago. I, like, this stuff gets swept under the rug. People hide it well. The media doesn't really talk about it. You know, everyone kind of goes hush-hush about that. I mean, I'm not trying to compare it to other sports, but like, you know, we saw like how Carl Malone at the all-star game in the NBA. Um, and it's like, how do you like, how do you ignore this kind of, this kind of stuff? Or obviously the situation going on with, with Josh getting the Oklahoma city thunder. There are just, there are just too many instances of, Hey, this is a, we have like damning evidence basically of an athlete doing something deplorable. And we're just like, eh, well, you know, and then the case of Bauer, you know, I'm going to give Lakata the preps for grilling Bauer, but I'm not going to give him the props for just having him on in the first place because that gives him the opportunity to pardon himself and to endear himself to viewers. There are people who are going to be on the fence in that and say, 
Wow, he answered some tough questions. And he spoke. Good for him, man. And that's not good. It's not like WFAN. WFAN should be above that. WFAN should not be. This is not a situation where, like, I, I wasn't just stunned. I was, like, I, and, and look, I know people are like, it's WFAN. Like, how could he be disappointed? Look, they were bad sports takes. But, but Max, I, it's hard to say this wasn't disappointing. I'm also from New York. Of course I'm going to be disappointed. You know what I mean? This is the most iconic radio station sports-wise in New York. They have had multiple iconic sports hosts, all that stuff. And now they're the radio station that let Trevor Bauer get a chance to redeem himself. And it's like he was going on a media tour and he was in Cincinnati and he was in, you know, LA and he was in, you know, Texas or whatever. He came to New York. Like that's, I think the thing that makes this worse for me. Like he came to New York and um, he got to basically, you know, give himself, uh, you know, this is good for his, this is good for him. Like from him, this is great for him. He's going to get to talk to the media and get to try to make himself look like a good guy here. And it's disgusting. And furthermore, from a perspective of like, you know, if you go online, you hear people talk about it. It's constant excuses for the athlete as well. Like it's constant excuses for Trevor Bauer. It's the guy's proven innocent. No mention of other pending cases. No mention of the fact that, you know, just not being convicted doesn't make you innocent. In fact, the judge explicitly mentions, yeah, you're not, we're not convicting you of anything, but that doesn't mean you're innocent. Um, And any, again, we don't know how the other cases are going to go. We don't know what it's going to end in. I mean, in, in the document, uh, the judge recognizes the fact that there was, that Trevor Bauer, um, you know, performed acts on that woman without her being awake. That in and of itself is damning, right? Like it, these are, I mean, Max, we're talking about two athletes that have done things that are, I mean, for the most, like we, we can't, like it, it's, it's damn near undeniable what they did. Um, and we're talking about like Bauer being on radio stations and, and, and getting to redeem himself. We're, and we're seeing like videos and this one really breaks my heart, you know, seeing videos in the Dominican Republic. We're not talking about like adults, we're seeing, uh, kids, kids holding signs of like, you know, which, you know, rough translation, basically like in support of Wander Franco baseball. And, and you know, people say like, we don't want baseball to be political. We don't want baseball to be this. We don't want baseball to be that. We like baseball is a reflection of society because we all partake in it, right? Like everyone who partakes in baseball partakes in a society at some, in, in some shape or form. If we can't stand up for, for victims, if we can't, you know, support women in, in, in that part of our lives, what says, what say, what, what's to say that people are going to do it in other aspects of their life? I, I understand, you know, you don't want to be bombarded with negative news all the time. I understand that sports are an escape for some people. But an escape is a luxury that, like, many people in this in this world, in this country, just don't have, right? You can't, like, I, I just, we're at, like, this is a frustrating dialogue. It's a frustrating conversation. It's a frustrating spot to be in. And we sit here, we're, we're, we're talking about whether, you know, Trevor Bauer will ever get to play in baseball or not, and we're not sure. Like, I, I, I'm not saying he will, but it's not a 0% chance. Franco, it feels pretty clear that he's never going to play again. Like, I, I think that it'll take a lot. Like, trust, like, it's, like, I, I just don't, like, I, I don't really see a world where he ends up playing again. Um, Maybe he plays uh in a different league, but not in Major League Baseball, not in Minor League Baseball. Um, and, But in Trevor Bauer's case, I mean, the guy's, he's still, he's still in, he's still in the, in the picture in terms of, like, in the media and all that stuff. I just, I can't stand for it, right? I, I hope that I know that teams thus far have not, you know, engaged in in trying to sign the guy. I hope that this media tour doesn't result in him getting signed. 
because it's a stain on base, but they're not going to be able to overlook. Right. And it's, and it creates kind of like a, it does like as it, it creates this and it further strengthens the idea that all baseball truly cares about is what makes financial sense for them. Not as much. What's the right thing to do. I understand all businesses are like that. I understand that's the world we live in, but that doesn't mean it should be the world we live in. What, what we have now doesn't mean it, is it what we should have in the future and it isn't what we should have for future generations of baseball fans at some point in time in 50 years we're going to look back on this and all of the people in support of a guy like bauer and all the people in support of a guy like franco are going to look like the worst people on planet earth and i urge you know even if you can't even if you don't see it now i urge people who are listening to this podcast to understand you are going to be looked at on the wrong side of history at some point, and you'll probably be alive for it. Like, it's it's not like 100 years from now, maybe even 20 years from now, honestly. 50 might be a stretch. There is going to be a, a point in time in the near future where you're looked at on the wrong side of history, and you don't want to be a part of that. And, and Trevor Bauer's not going to see your comments, but people in your life will. Women in your life will. Your kids may want, end up seeing that, and you you don't want that. You maybe have a partner, whatever it may be. Your mom, your dad, whoever. You, you have, I feel like... No, these people who stand up for these athletes, they're not going to see it. Trevor is not going to see you call him, you're a star, dude, keep keep fighting the haters. But, you know, if you have a daughter, she will. She'll be like, why were you in support of this guy? Like, what if this happened to me? What, what, was that, what was that a shot I mean? at Dan Clark? I feel like that was Dan a shot Clark, at Dan Clark. Dan felt, Clark is the most deplorable very person. Specific. I, I'm going to be honest. Dan, I wasn't even thinking of Dan Clark, but Dan Clark is the most deplorable person on uh, probably in sports media because a guy tries to champion himself as he cares about social issues. I'll see him tweet about how this is racist or that is this. And he goes out and, and really because he wants to get on his knees for Bauer and his and, and Luba and, you know, have, you know, that in and he thinks he's going to be in the baseball circles. And there's a reason why nobody takes him seriously as a reporter. There's a reason why, despite his platform, nobody actually gives him anything of substance. And it's because nobody thinks he provides anything worth value in this space. And the only person who thinks he does is himself. He is the only person on this planet who thinks he provides anything valuable to a baseball conversation, anything valuable, valuable to a societal conversation. Quite frankly, there's like, again, like I, I, I asked, and if Dan is listening to this, and if Dan ever listens to anything I say, which I know he has, because he created a burner, by the way, he's a 30 year old fucking man, by the way, created a burner to try to do it. If you're listening to anything I say in about 15, 20 years, what is like, are you ever going to have a conversation where you're going to sit back and say, man, I wish I didn't show support for Bauer or, you know, it, if somebody in your life went through the thing that um, any of Bauer's victims went through, are you going to support them? Because if you do, I, I just like, I'm just, I, I don't really under, like, this is a guy, it's not even like this is like some random alt-right dude on Twitter. Like, I don't like, quite frankly, I don't care what Clay Travis has to say about it. He's some, you know, media pundit who clearly is racist. We understand that. Dan Clark tries to champion himself as this pro-LGBTQ, you know, pro-equality, all that stuff. And then he gets on his knees for Bauer because I just like, I don't, this guy's a clown and he's got his wife in his bio, in his profile picture. He's got his daughter in his profile picture. This guy is a fucking clown. I don't know why he has a platform. I, I really don't. He's a fucking clown, Max. That's what he is. Nothing of value. Nothing of value. He faked being a beat writer for the Orioles at one point in time and then harassed like actual beat writers. And people were like, who is this guy? He's a poser. And, he's a faker. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. I mean, again, it's just a sign that we still have so much work to do that we have to be so much better as, you know, uh, again, 
in collective, but mainly with men have to do more to help change and create uh, a better culture for women in sports and for these things to just stop. It's never going to fully stop happening, but for it to be less of a, like a common occurrence, I should say, um, because it is a common occurrence and that, that needs to stop. Uh, but we'll, you guys want to listen to our takes about baseball, so we'll get to that. But, you know, we do appreciate you listening to that because this stuff is what matters. Like, this is the thing that actually affects everybody's life. As Ryan said, like, Trevor Bauer and Juan Franco aren't going to see the things that you say in support of them. But the people that you know who have been through things like that will, and you have no idea what it makes them feel. Um, it makes them feel very bad. Very, would be a, my, a huge understatement. Um, but to baseball news, um, the Mets had a pretty big week. Uh, they signed Shamanaya to a two-year, $28 million deal, $14.5 million this year, then an opt-out for $13.5 million next year. And they also signed Harrison Bader to a $10.5 million contract one year, $1 million signing bonus, $9.5 million salary with some incentives in there. Um these are the kind of moves the Mets should be making. Um, they've bumped themselves up all of a sudden into top five in the National League in um, you know projected win total, and so you know projections would say that they're a borderline playoff team. Um, again, I'm not saying I necessarily agree or disagree with that, but I actually really like the Mets off season. But I think something that's kind of gone under is that they clearly really believe in their pitching coach like they have Severino Manaya, uh who else is filling out that rotation right Quintana's still there yeah Senga you got, got Sevi right like Sevi's I think Sevi, so Sevi Manaya, Senga uh Quintana, Quintana and uh, there's a veteran McGill. on this right now is it McGill I feel um, like it's it's Hauser that's I mean, who we're missing Hauser uh, Hauser Hauser who, who they by the way up. Great! It looks like a really good pickup. Look at how the pitching market's gone. Like getting a guy, right. getting a guy, and a guy who's a platoon outfielder. And Hauser's like an okay pitcher. I know he's not the most durable guy in the world always, but getting that for a guy who's hurt right now, yeah, I mean, cost value in my opinion. I agree. I I look at their off season and I say, you know what? Listen, if they all play well, yeah, the team will probably be good. If only some of the guys play well, sweet, you trade them at the. Tr- trade deadline and you bolster up your farm system again to help you have a good team for 2025 um and they have a lot of money coming off the books too after next year which is good um very helpful for them yeah i mean like bader's not going to play every day um like at least he shouldn't you know i think we have learned that he is now probably a platoon player at best but he is a absolute whiz in center field guy can go get him with the best of them um but yeah, I mean, I I like their offseason. I like I like these moves. I love the Manaya move. You and I were both really really high on him. Um, this was kind of like I told you before we were recording. Like it was kind of the first move where I was like mm, kind of bummed the Yankees didn't do that like a little. But then I thought about it from Manaya's perspective of like, okay, if the Yankees sign Manaya, they probably can't guarantee that he'll earn a starting spot, whereas the Mets can. And so from his perspective, he's like, I want to start. I want to, I want to be a starting pitcher. Why would you go to the team that, you know, is probably better? Sure. But 
can't do the thing that you want to do. Like, does Mania care about winning or being a starting pitcher to go get a bigger contract more? Also, if he's not on a good team, he'll get traded if he's playing well. And, right. and that's like, something the Mets then, have also situated themselves to do, with, which is, hey, this doesn't like we don't go on that 2017 Yankees run or that 20, you know, 2023 Diamondbacks run or whatever. And we can trade a lot of these pieces, right? Like Manaya is always going to have value in the, in the trade market. If Harrison Bader is remotely healthy, somebody's going to pick him up. Like I, he was traded for while he was in a walking boot. Like he's got incredible value on the market, even if he's not a great hitter. If you're a good defensive yeah. center fielder, you're always going to have relatively a spot. Same right. thing with Quintana, Hauser, like the, Severino, if he's average, is going to have that. Like if Severino's average, you have to bank on the upside at the very least, right? Like, right. you know, there are like, looking at the rotation, I know that it's not flashy. I understand that. But it's Senga who who pitched like an ace last year. And then it's four guys who it's like, okay, Quintana and Hauser were, had above average run prevention. Manaya's likely to be around average to above average run prevention. And Severino has the ability but to potentially get back to being that. These are like, and none of these guys are outside of Sengar long-term pieces in your rotation. They didn't force themselves to acquire anybody just because they missed on Yamamoto. And I think that's the mark of a really good front office. The fact that they didn't just do something to make the fans happy. They, they were like, hey, we don't feel as if any of these remaining targets are worth what we have to give up to get them. We're not going to make those moves. And people are going to have to be okay with that, right? Like that's... David Stearns wins this offseason and Steve Cohen wins this offseason with a plan and they're sticking to it. And I think that's, and they've gone out and they've gotten a lot of like really good short-term value that they can either A, bolster their roster with or B, flip at the deadline. It's, I'd say it's a pretty good offseason. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the rotation does not project to be amazing, right? And they still, they could still use some bullpen help for sure. Like, I mean, after Edwin Diaz, it's, like Jorge Lopez was good. Are you the team to fix him? Again, as I said, there's a lot of questions about how good their pitching coach is going to be after this. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's questions here. Severino's a huge question mark. I feel like Quintana, like, yeah, maybe he's not that good, but he is pretty reliable to give you 140 to 160 innings. And for what they need, that's fine, right? Like that's, he's going to do his job. Hauser, again, questions with the health, but, you know, he's been fairly okay, you know, outside of that. I think they still have faith in, like, David Peterson and Tyler McGill to do something. I, I'm i not sure that they, they should, but I know that they do. Um, and, again, they still have Christian Scott, uh, Mike Vassile. Like, they got some prospects who are pretty good. I don't know. Like, it's, like, it's not elite, right? Like, they're, Senga's good. I don't know how good, but he's good. And then after that, it's a lot of just, well, hope and pray that two of them are good enough to not only just get you through the season, but to maybe get you something in return if you end up being a team that's selling again at the deadline. And again, it's the Mets. They'll buy prospects. They will trade guys with hefty contracts, eat the contract, and then you know go and get a good prospect in return. And that's what they should do. Yeah, getting Drew Gilbert for Verlander, fuck yeah. Huge. And, Clifford, and Clifford. I, I, they get right. Clifford and Gilbert. And let's be real here. I mean, what what number is Verlander's ERA starting with next year? Are you shocked if it's a four? No. Right? I, like, actually, I'm not shocked I, if it's a four. I'd actually anticipate it to be a, I'd anticipate it being started with a four, to be honest. Yeah. 
I know, and again, I know Clifford wasn't like super great for the Mets um, in his stretch there, but I mean, he, yeah, he punched out a ton when he went over there, but overall, like he's been pretty good. Um, and I, I like the, I like the data on him. He is only 19. Like you can take your time there. He also apparently hit a ball like 496 feet or something like that. Yeah. He hit a, I guess his max exit view though is crazy, but yeah. Shout um, out Mikey on that one. Yeah. It's, it's, he, he's good. He was one of the guys that I, I picked to be like a, a guy who would make some waves this year that people aren't talking about. Um, but overall, again, I just really like what the Mets are doing. Like they, they realize like, Hey, there's nobody else out there on the market because Otani was never coming. Right. And they, they pretty much knew that. And it seemed like they would have had to pay a lot more than everybody else to get Yamamoto there. So they just said, you know what, just keep on the same path. Kind of like see where we're at. Um, you know, signing Manaya pretty much takes them out of Imanaga. We'll kind of get into that market in a bit, but you know, they're saying like, listen, if we're good in 2024, great, but let's focus on 2025 and 2026 and see what we can do there. And I completely agree with them. I mean, I think they're absolutely making the right call there. I think this is the absolute way they should be going about it. And I really like their off season. I know we've had discussions about going all in, but you know, you have to know when the right time to go all in is, especially when you're not the Dodgers or you're not the Yankees or you're not the Astros, right? who are really good at player development. Like they're not there yet in five years. I think they can be, um, you know, they hired uh, what's his face, Andy green, the former manager of the Padres and Cubs bench coach to be their director of player development. They have a lot of really smart people in their player development department. I really believe that they're going to get there, but you, you're not there yet. So it doesn't make sense. You know, the, the people were like, Oh, just go pay Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery or something like that didn't make sense for the Mets. And I, I'm glad that they have acted like, yeah, that doesn't make sense for us. Cause I completely agree. That was um, not, not the right move for them, but there were some trades this week, mainly trades from the, you know, guy who loves to make moves, Jerry DePoto guy who just can't help himself from making trades. He just, just got to do it, man. He's just got to do it. Love to be a fly on the wall in his office during like the winter meetings or the trade deadline or something. That dude's got to be just like going crazy. Um, so the the Rays, the Rays, the Mariners, and the Giants, basically, it wasn't a three-team trade, but it basically acted as a three-team trade in a way, right? Like they, the Mariners made two trades with two separate teams at the same time is what it seems like. Um, the first one, which came completely out of nowhere, but I guess if you really dig the digging on it, it makes sense. Uh, the Mariners traded Robbie Ray to the Giants for Anthony Desclafani and... Mitch Haniger, um, I really like Ray in San Francisco. I, I like people are like, why would the Giants take on the money? I mean, he should be good there. Like, obviously, concerns about command post Tommy John. That's always a thing. And command's not always super strong in his case. But, I mean, I think you could reasonably argue that Ray on the rest of his contract, and he does have an opt-out after the end of this year versus somebody like Blake Snell you could make the argument that Ray, if you know you have financial limitations, might be a better gamble. I get that case. I get that argument. Um, I really like his fit there. Sure. He's not pitching for half the season, so like that, they still have to go get, you know, they should still go sign Blake Snell or Shota uh, Shota Imanaga. Um, But from the Mariners' perspective, 
Why? Right? Like, why? Sense. Like, you're... You... So, their rotation right now, um, as far... It's Castillo and Kirby at the top. Is there a better one-two punch in the league right now? Maybe Strider and Freed, right? Maybe. Like, you could certainly make the case that that's a better one-two punch, depending on how you feel about the health of Max Freed. Um, I think I'd probably lean Strider and Freed, but, like, it's certainly... I wouldn't hate, I wouldn't say you're wrong for saying it's a debate, right? Like, I think that's a, a genuine good conversation. Um, so it's Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, Miller, Wu, Desclafani. They have Hancock there too. Um, like, I mean, Trent Thornton can start every now and again if you need him to, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, like, their rotation is good. And I feel like keeping Ray as like a mid-season upgrade when you're, you know, listen, they're tight on money. Their ownership, this seemed like the perfect offseason to kind of like, as we said, go all in. You know, on certain teams, they need to know the opportunities. This was the perfect time to go all in. Astros are coming down. Rangers just won the one World Series, sure. But also, like, they clearly have financial limitations, too. This was the perfect time to do it. And they're not. Yeah, it reflects that. It's just like I. The the thing that frustrates me is just they. It's not like they're being active in free agency. It's like all right, we're moving the contract of Robbie Ray, and now we're going to go get Blake's now, right? Like because if right. they do right, like if they do that, it's like oh shit. Like could you imagine if they were like okay, we're going to move the the all these bad contracts. Let's go trade for Juan Soto. Let's go sign Blake Snell to replenish the pitching depth we lost in the Soto deal. I mean, could you imagine? That's the best team in the American League. That right there. I don't even know. Like, keep Suarez. You have, you deal uh, the Gonzalez. You deal the um, Ray money. I mean, if you want to say you have to deal Suarez anyways, fine. Who gives a, like, who cares? Fucking, like, I, we were talking about this on the podcast, but not on podcast. We were talking about this beforehand where it's like, you know, the Jays signed IKF. Nobody really cares if they had Shohei Otani, but they don't. So now people, like, now it's kind of not the most appealing thing in the world. Yeah. Dude, if the Mariners signed Isaiah Kiner for Leffa to a $15 million two-year deal to be their third baseman because he wanted to save money on Suarez, right? And, that would be bad. Right, but, like, if they did that because and then they, because they traded for Soto and they signed Blake Snell, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Like, who cares that's a great you're the best team in the american league like you are you, i don't care you're middle in, your infield fucking uh ikf crawford arias and and ty france it's a little bit gross but like who cares you right? have you have soto and j-rod in your outfield like I, you know you still have crawford you know, can hit too so and you like, would have yeah he's a good hitter you would i would assume you still end up making the trade for luke rayleigh so you have an outfield of luke rayleigh uh, Julio, uh, Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto. I guess Rayleigh would play the harder corner outfield. I think that's right field in Seattle. But uh, it is. Yeah. yeah, as as Yankee fans were programmed thinking left field is like the worst place on planet Earth. Like it's it's a just Yankee place. Stadium left field. It's Normally so you put weird, your worst dude. defender in left field. Yeah. Yeah, but you get my point, right? Like your D. I don't like who cares what their D. Like, dude, like I just like I like Mitch Hanniger's or DH. Like I'm assuming they still make the Robbie Ray trade. Um, Snell. I mean, you just said Kirby and Castillo. Could you imagine? Castillo, Snell, Kirby, one, two, three in a playoff series. That's really good, man. And like you probably run a like a slightly higher payroll. Also, again, like by trading soda, you're assuming Miller and Wu, one or arguably both, are gone. 
So you need probably staff. only takes one. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, like it depends it, on what you think of Wu, I guess. Right? Like, would you say I think Bryce Miller, like Bryce Miller, value wise, is probably considered pretty similar to Michael King. Um, but there's more years of control. Maybe like the Padres go, hey, this is a controllable starter and it's cheaper. Like this is probably like a little more valuable to us. I, I think they would have preferred to deal with Seattle. I think anybody with a yeah, I mean anyone should have preferred to deal with Seattle, quite honestly. I, I can tell you right here, right now, the Padres said I I have talked to multiple people from multiple different organizations, maybe including teams involved here, that if there was one team the Padres really wanted to trade with, it was the Mariners. Yep. But they knew from the get-go that they were not involved. And so, again, this is just like our Red Sox talk from last week is now brought to the Mariners. It's slightly different in that the Red Sox are the Red Sox. They're an iconic franchise, and they are a big market. Like, there's no excuse. Mariners, you know, smaller market, like, they should still spend. And the fact that they aren't is crazy, and it's frustrating. But the history is there. Like, this, the Red Sox thing is, is surprising because it's never really happened before. The Mariners, like, they've done this all the time. Like, this is just who they are, and it sucks. Like, but um, I just, we talked about the Luke Rayleigh trade. So they traded Jose Caballero for Luke Rayleigh. You know, we just mentioned how their infield, even now, isn't, like, amazing. Just, again, I go with why. I saw some, like, I saw a Mariners fan saying, yeah, we got a lot better today. And I was like, did you though? Like your projected win total didn't really change. If the Mariners, or sorry, if the Rays are saying, hey, Luke Rayleigh, this guy who had a 130 WRC plus, you know, we don't want him anymore when we have a ton of control. That's probably not a good thing. Um, and then they get Caballero, who's basically just like a better defensive, younger, smaller, like Isak Paredes. Is he? Younger? Actually, I don't know. Um, but he's very similar. Like, Caballero pulls the ball a lot, puts it in the air a lot, um, makes okay swing decisions, not like amazing swing decisions, um, but he's really good defensively. He, you can put him at short, third, second, like any one of those spots, and he, he will do well. I just, this trade is very strange. I, I I just I watched it happen. And I was like, did the Mariners get better? I can't say that they did, but I can't say they got worse, right? Like I think they just stayed the same, which which leads to why did you do this? To me, what what this signifies is also like you know, and I've kind of come like I I obviously like I I I talk about the Yankees every single day. Uh, shot fire, shot Yankees, but. Like every single day, I talk about the Yankees. It's kind of like you know you're stuck in this hard, like in, in in between kind of a weird situation where the pitching market has evolved into you're gonna have to make a trade you don't feel comfortable making to get an impact player. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, like I, I felt this way when Juan Soto was acquired by the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees traded like so much more value than what they're getting in Juan Soto. But I don't give a shit because like respectfully, let's look at even trades the Yankees have lost or quote unquote lost. They traded for Gallo, disaster. Did they walk away losing anybody that's killing them right now? Montas barely pitched. Did they give up anybody that's killing them right now? The Yankees are like, ah, shit, why'd we give this guy up? You know what I mean? They traded all of their minor league pitching depth and then replaced it in one year. You know what I mean? In one winter, honestly. The Mariners, they traded for Luis Castillo. 
You could argue they need Noel V. Marte right now, but who cares? You have Luis Castillo. Nobody actually cares. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that to say that prospects are don't have any value. But what I am saying is that teams are now realizing you can't just say, all right, we'll take a top 100 guy and like a top 15 guy, sure. Because these you lose those trades so often. The selling team oftentimes finds itself on the losing end of the deal, not just in the PR side of things, but in war value as well. I mean, I'm trying to think right now, Max, when's the last time that like a superstar has been dealt and the team that traded for the superstar didn't get a lot of value from them and then got burned by what they gave up? Like how often does that happen? What's like the moment that sticks out really? Like I'm trying to think like previous deadlines. In in the past like 10 years? Yeah. Probably a couple, but nothing like... I mean, yeah. we have so you kind of have to take out the past like two, three years because we haven't really seen right. some of those deals come to fruition. But like, there's a way. Um, I guess you could say like the Astros with Verlander, as we mentioned, like trading Gilbert and Clifford. Like, there's a decent chance that ages really poorly. Right, but um, like, what if Clifford never finds his hit tool and Gilbert his like the struggles he had a double A with the Mets? That's just the hitter he is. I mean, let's like so let's and, look at like you know, the A's, right? Like they sold a bunch. And I mean, what the most notable name they've gotten back so far is JP Sears in ERA over five and Luis Medina, who I think is really good, but also had an ERA pushing five last year. Right. Like the only time, like you could say like the Chris Archer trade. And even then, like the pirates, like are the pirates, the trajectory of their franchise different with these three players. Not enough for me to say that this is like the worst deal of all time. It's also like glass now was good, but he didn't play a ton. And then Meadows, they shipped out for Paredes, and Paredes was really good. So, like, that worked out. Like, they got a lot well, of value Pirates out of Meadows. Gonna trade? Short... I'm right. not saying the Pirates law. I'm not saying the Rays didn't, like, crush the Pirates in the deal. But what I'm they saying did. is the Rays crushed the Pirates in that deal. The Rays smoked them, cooked them. But the Pirates, as, an, as a franchise, is not dramatic. Like, they're, they're, the trajectory of their franchise, they were always going this way, right? Right. Like, there were, like you can spend over mistakes, like the the Mets paid for Verlander and it wasn't working out. Like that contract kind of didn't look very good at one. Like it started looking kind of stinky, and they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, just throw money, just throw money at this problem. Who okay. cares? Like if the Mariners, let's say they traded for Castillo and his shoulder problems from the year prior barked back up again, right? And they were out of a third baseman Marte, but they're just like, all right, we'll just throw money at somebody to play the infield for us. Who cares? The, the the Cubs they traded Glaber Torres for Oldish Chapman. The Yankees in terms Objectively of objectively a terrible right. trade, but they won a World Series. And even if they didn't, guess what? You still do that trade, right? Like the like I I don't I'm not saying this to say that like you shouldn't try like you shouldn't value your prospects at all again. But the Mariners are like they they just they're not they they they're, they're they don't want to take advantage of an Apple opportunity to, to take to take advantage. You win one World Series, Max. Nothing you did before or after will ever matter. Yeah, like, I mean, the Cubs, right? Right. Like another, like could you, if the Yankees won the World Series this year, and Drew Thorpe is a Hall of Famer, and Michael King is better than everybody the Yankees have in the rotation, and Vasquez and Brito become great relievers, dude. I who I cares? You want a ring? Hanley Ramirez Soto traded, stays. Like Hanley Ramirez stays, stays and you win a World Series. Yeah, right. Like Ramirez Red Sox fans have told me that. I've seen Wait. Red Sox fans tweet that all the time and talk, when they see people say, I wouldn't trade like Roman Anthony for this guy. It's like, we traded family for Josh Beckett. Who gives a fuck, right? Like, I I, right. I don't care. 
It's funny because if you go on Hamley's profile, it says Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> so that's the last team you played for. Throwback. But yeah, yeah. dude, Hanley, Hanley got traded. And then from 2006 to 2010 was like one of the five best players in baseball. But nobody cares because Beckett won them a title. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you gotta, there are times for it to go for it, and Seattle just doesn't. Um, this trade also with the Caballero and Rayleigh trade, it just shows that the Rays operate on a level um, where they know, right? They know what they need, they know what they're good at, and they got Caballero because he does things that they like. They also traded for uh, uh, Richie. Uh, how do you say his last name? Palacios? Is that his Yeah, name? oh my, dude, he's going to be so good. Yeah, they traded, they, so the Rays traded for Caballero and Palacios for Rayleigh and Kittredge. First of all, what are the Cardinals doing? Have you Nobody learned has it worse than nothing? You, have you, le- <laughs> shut up. Uh, <laughs> have you learned nothing, damn it? You trade, stop. Stop trading outfielders to the Rays. Like, you lose that deal every time. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, ugh, did we learn nothing from the Randy Rosarena trade? Did we? Did we legitimately learn nothing from that deal? Like, ah, I'm not joking. Palacios puts up a three war next year, and like, I'm gonna like, I'm, I'm I like, I we got to make some calls. Like, like call, <laughs> yo, I, I, I'm like, I, I can't do. It, 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 I, I knew, like, I was tweet, I tweeted like October, like the Yankees should trade for Richie Palacios. And he actually, fun fact, he had spent, he had worked at a batting cage uh, that I like worked at as a kid. I used to see him hit sometimes. So like, shout out, like, I actually hope, like, I'm a Yankee fan, obviously. So like, I want my team, good things to happen to my team. And I'm a very vocal hater. So I want bad things to happen to, you know, people like not terrible things, like people getting hurt, but more like not playing well for people that are not on my team because I'm a fan. But I actually like really hope Richie Palacios goes out and crushes because like, that'd be sick, you know, rooting interest here, um, representing New York. But Man, like Palacios appeared. Did you see that post where he added 7.8 miles per hour to his max exit velocity? Okay, another thing too, like can, he's a dude. Can he's we please dude. just sense like okay, like Yankees, like I my guys, love you guys. No, I no complaining because you got Juan Soto. I love you guys so much. And you know, I am a spoiled person. The Knicks have OG and Obi, the Yankees have Juan Soto. Nobody has it better than me. Um, please just like send somebody to drive line. Like, just somebody, or tr- somewhere, like, some facility, some lab. Shout out Clark Schmidt. He's in, like, that la- in a lab in Georgia where, like, Spencer Strider train- trains. Clark Schmidt gets it. You know what I mean? Dog. But, like, the Palacio's going to be good on the race. He's going to pull 120 WRC+. Plus. What, what, do you, what do you guys say? I'm going 120. Well, what are you going to guess here? Yeah, I'm guessing 128. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. He's, gonna, he's also going to somehow be, like, you know, probably put up, like, a sneaky, like, 2.5 BSR. To like float his war value like three and a half be, or four. Gonna, yeah, right. Like Caballero yeah. and Palacios are gonna combine to be like seven wins above replacement next year. And it's gonna be fu- just frustrating. And again, yeah. the Cardinals don't like I get it. They traded Rosarena and Martinez for Matthew Libertor, who at the time was like extremely well thought of, and they still need pitching. But like the, the Cardinals are hilarious. Because they recognize that they are not good at pitching development, but they also don't fix it. So they just sign a bunch of veterans who are probably not that good, except for Sonny Gray. He is pretty good. Like he's a good pitcher. Um, and they're just like, yeah, we'll just 
buy pitchers, which isn't a bad process. It's just like, dude, if you're not good at developing pitchers, fix it. Get good at it. It's not like it's it's not like it's impossible. The Yankees were terrible at developing pitchers for years. And then they hired Sam Breed, and now they're actually like arguably the best at it. Like they're really good at finding and making guys better. I would argue that like you could make a serious case that in terms of my like mental health and my well-being, that Matt Blake and Sam Breed might be the two most important people to ever walk into my life. And like that's saying so. I have some very, very I'm a very blessed guy. I have some very incredible people in my life. Um, but like no, but like in all seriousness, the, the Cardinals I like I don't and I also don't understand why you trade it for a guy who's 37 coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Couldn't have found better. Like it's not like they're like are they right. guaranteed like to win like it's like they went all in and they said, all right, Sonny Gray and Blake Snell. Like if they did both those, you're like, all right, yeah, they're going for it. Like, don't give a fuck about what Richie Palacios does over the next six years. Andrew Kittredge, like, I don't care if he's good for one year or half a year. Like, you just need something from him because he just need pitching. They weren't like they're they're not willing to shop at the top of the reliever market, which okay, you could argue that's because they just don't believe in paying relievers. Okay, but it's like they pump out relievers, so it's like, eh, you know what I mean? Um and, and then on the second hand, it's like Lance Lynn actually I, I kind of really like the signing because I think now that I look at it, a le- like you're paying him two million dollars less than Severino and five million dollars left than Frankie Montas. It's not a bad yeah, deal. It's it's aged better, but it's still like again, like they But need- like with Cal Gibson doesn't make sense. Like if you sign Lynn, Gray, and I mean, let's not even say let me let me remove like some of the equation. Seth Lugo even, right? Or Michael Walker. Yeah. Hey. I imagine if they re-signed Michael Walker, that would have been hilarious. They, I actually I'm I'm not I'm not gonna like say they sh- I'm not gonna like say that, that them not signing Michael Walker is like why they're not good. I, I'm just saying, like, trade for somebody, you could have traded for Tyler Glass now. Cause if you get win and you get gray and then you add glass now, that rotation actually makes sense to add glass now, right? Because you have like just Michaelis is gonna eat up innings Lynn is going to eat up innings you expect Gray to get you about 160 Glass will be good for like 100 to 120 and you know you probably you know even if you still like that 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 would actually be a legitimately great rotation and then you trade for Kittredge you don't care at that point but it's, the Cardinals are weird because they didn't go all in but this trade would be for a team that is going all in so it's like they got it like it's dude they're just like it's a half-assed attempt to fix their problems. And I don't, I, I'm not going to see it as anything other than that, unless these guys that they signed got better. And look, for their sake, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. I got nothing against Tim Levick, who is the Cardinals pitching coordinator, but he's been there for 18 years. It, I it don't want to sit here. And it might be a, like, just, I don't know him or We're anything like that. But if, he's been, but if he's been there for 18 years, maybe a time for a little evaluation right like just i'm not calling for his job or anything like that i'm just saying does does he do things that are good or not because the results are not there all we've been there a long time yeah all we're saying is look like these are the results and it has it's trending in the wrong direction that's all we're saying and the cardinals like if the cardinals can't recognize that as an organization there's a difference between, you know, treating your employees the right way and then kind of ignoring data points, right? Um, and it, you're going to have a hard time. Like, Cardinals fans are loyal, extremely loyal. Like, there is a very, like, I'm not going to lie. That's a ballpark that you rarely hear booze at, right? Um, and you heard booze this year. And rightfully so. That's This is the worst team they've had since, what, the 90s, right? Um, and they've, they're watching other teams in division, you know, get a little bit smart, a little more modern. 
The Cubs are a pretty forward-thinking team. The Brewers have always been a forward-thinking team. Um, the Reds are are relatively forward-thinking. They are very hamstrung by by financial constraints, but they're in a division where, yeah, there's a lot of smart teams, or there are a lot of teams that are trying to do the right thing. Pirates are kind of a disaster. I'm not going to really group them in with them. But for the most part, like nobody who's really stood out and been dominant. Like the Cubs were supposed to be that dominant team in the mid, in you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. They kind of tapered off pretty quick. The Cardinals have had an opportunity to just say, yeah, we have more money than everybody else, and we're the Cardinals. We can get people to play here. And they haven't really done it. Like, I'm not saying Yamamoto would have taken the Cardinals' offer, so I'm not going to entertain the idea that they could have signed Yamamoto, but there are plenty of other pitchers on the market they could have gotten. And they're just not, like, I, I'm underwhelmed by their, their offseason. They talk like if they were going to do something massive, and they haven't. Uh, they, they're, they're sneakily having just kind of like an eh offseason. I'm just let down. That's really it. Yeah, I'm moving moving forward because I can't I can't rant about the Cardinals too much more. I can't give the NL Central that much attention. Um, looking at the Athletics top forty big board of free agents, if you notice something, you will see that the top four remaining free agents are Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman. And you might be saying to yourself, "Hey, those guys all have something in common." And you're right; their agent is the same guy. It's Scott Boris. So if you're wondering why none of them have signed, Scott Boris notoriously likes to work slow. He likes to take his time. He lets markets marinate and people to get desperate so that way his clients can get the deals that they want. Um, There's been a lot of buzz around Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Um, It seems that Montgomery really wants to go back to Texas, as he should. He just won a World Series there, and they need him. Like... Yeah, he should want to go back there. Also, he doesn't have to shave, um, which, don't be real with you, I understand why that would annoy some people. I, I get it. It's um, an annoying process, man. It, like, it's it just, is so it, annoying. It just it takes way too long. Yeah, I mean, you gotta um, take a razor too and clean shave. You can't even do a lot. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. Shaving podcast coming up next. <laughs> um, so, if you're wondering why the market's like being held up, it sounds like Shota Imanaga is going to sign in the next couple days um i I saw a report that says from a a japanese outlet that says they expect the announcement to come in the next 48 hours that feels like this he should have been a giant but after ray i'm not sure they're going to want to give him so that feels like an angel move like is that a bad move actually i don't know like he's probably a guy who ages fine because he doesn't really rely on like elite velocity he relies on a funky arm angle and weird movement at that arm angle and is a guy who I actually think will be better in Major League Baseball than he would be in uh, the MPB in terms of value because he's like great stuff, swing and miss in a league that doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. And now he's going to a league that does get a lot of swing and miss. Um, he just needs the right park, which is why I was really high on the Giants for him. But I think the Angels are actually a decent park for him. And, you know, he'll probably be allowed to work every sixth day they've got experience with that it's not the worst thing in the world i mean is it the kind of move they should make i'm not sure but you know i think that's where he ends up bellinger's market i mean ryan i mean if you believe that guy who saw him on twitter and saw him in the airport and was like did the yankees ever contact me he's like no i wish people were somehow mad at that by the way the team that got juan soto had fans that were like why didn't we contact him I'm not going to go into Bellinger again. We've talked about him so much, but I feel like a pillow contract with the Cubs feels inevitable here. 
Um, Snell, I got no idea. Genuinely no clue. He could go to like six different teams and I would not be surprised. Like it's, his market's big. And I think that's part of the problem, right? Like nobody wants to give him that long-term deal, but a lot of people are interested in that short-term high AV deal. Um, And I tweeted that, you know, people talk about Snell's lack of command and control as like a problem. I don't think he really had, like, I think that's overblown. The walks are a function of the way he picked pitches. His thought process is simply, I would rather walk you than throw you a cookie. Is that wrong? I I don't know, but he did win a Young with that philosophy. Do I enjoy watching him pitch? God, no. But like, is he objectively a good pitcher? Yeah. He's a top 25 pitcher in baseball. He's really good. Like, I just don't like the way it works. The Yankees are rumored to apparently be pretty interested and are, are heavily involved and, you know, have talked to him. And apparently he's got interest going there. I mean, it makes sense. Like, played with Soto. His best friend is Judge. Like, they're really tight. They're, they're good friends and everything. Um, he's got experience in the AL East. Again, I don't want it to happen, but I think there's a way where it it does make sense. Yeah, something I'm going to say right now, like just off the bat, is that um, I have been like the biggest like proponent. Like I I am the guy who probably started the whole hating walks thing. Um, Blake Snell is objectively a very good pitcher. Like I, there's just no other way around it. And you would rather like, especially in a league where guys are hitting the ball harder than ever before. Before and. Let's let's just be real here, Max. The at-bats taken by guys who can't hit a ball 110 miles an hour is growing smaller by the day. It's growing smaller by the year, right? Like, if you there, – there is there is a threshold of you can't hit the ball this hard, if you can't generate this much game power, you're just not starting, right? Like, do you think a guy like Nick Madrigal is a top 100 or, like, as highly rated as he was as a prospect coming uh, out of his rookie class? Is he going to be as highly touted, let's say, in, like, 10 years, a guy like him? Like, or a prospect of his ilk? I don't think so, right? Like, I think we're kind of real, like, you, like, the way to beat pitchers that are as good as they are, that that are as good as they've been, of, and as good as they've become over the last few years, they throw harder than ever before, their stuff is better than ever before, you've got to hit for power. Like, you can't, you're not getting, like, 10 singles uh, in a game against, Well, you know, we had Rob Oron, he basically said, like, there's a certain threshold of right. quality of contact you have to meet. If you don't meet that, then you're just not going to be very good. Like, then from there, there's a certain threshold of quantity of contact you need to meet. But yeah, it starts with quality. Like, you need to be able to hit the ball hard. You need to be able to do damage, right? You know, and Madrigal doesn't do that. And so against guys like Blake Snell, if his thought process is, I want to avoid damage as much as possible, and I will walk guys to do so, there are positives, right? He didn't give up a lot of runs. Objectively a good thing. <laughs> like, you know, the goal of a pitcher is to not give up runs. He did that better than anybody last year, arguably. Like, you know, he was really good at it. But he doesn't work past this, you know, sixth inning because of a high pitch count, because of the way he pitches. Now, those six innings will be six innings, one run, three hits, four walks, ten punch outs. Like, that's an average line for Blake Snell maybe eight punch outs, but the point remains of like, yeah, he, he walks guys. That's the, he admits to it, but it's not a negative 
it, it is a negative and it isn't a negative because it's a function of what he does. And I think that needs to be like discussed. And I saw people like, oh, the rumors like people is going to go to the Yankees. So you start saying good things. No, like this is just the reality of what he does. I don't want him on the team. Like I don't, like, I don't want the Yankees to sign him. Like I, I'm very scared about the future of Blake Snell. But, you know, if he takes a short-term high AV deal with some opt-outs, okay, I can be talked into that. Um, the Yankees need a number two. Like, that's that's just what they need, and we'll see if it happens. There's been some rumors about um, Josh Hader as well, that the Yankees would be interested there. Um, I don't think that happens. Do you? Like, I just I just don't see it. Like, it would go against what they've done recently yeah. in terms of relievers. Like, I don't really know what they're going to do, number one, with the relievers. Like, I don't think they're ever going to be in that market for a guy like Josh Hader. And at the same time, I think other teams will be more interested. Like, I I see the Dodgers doing that for the Yankees and the Rangers. Like, their TV deal is supposed to be, like, set up in the next few weeks. I think they'll – I think that – I think that it's just – the Yankees are not going to go, what, five years for Josh Hader? They can hand that contract – like, they could bump the AAV by a little bit and go get, like, Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell. I don't think that's how, and they have to also give up a qualifying offer. They have to give up a draft pick. So I think all that kind of together, that's why I never really bought into the Blake Snell stuff before these rumors came out. Cause like the Yankees are going to give up a draft pick, right? Like they're going to give international free agent money when it looks like the Roki Sasaki thing is real. And that guy could get, you know, that guy could opt out of his contract next year. I think the last thing you want to do is give up international free agent money. And then maybe the Yankees are like, ah, dude, he's going to the Dodgers. Who gives a shit? Right. Um, but I don't think that's the way they're going to operate. I think they're going to think to themselves, we got a chance at anybody, right? And again, like, why for Josh Hader? Like, just if you're gonna do, just go for Blake's not at that point, right? Like, just I'd yeah. rather you just go get the starter. I'd rather get burned on a starting pitching contract than a reliever contract because absolutely right. Like, if you're a bad star, like Blake Snell, if he's in year five and year six and he's just he just can't start anyone, can't stay healthy, whatever it may be, just throw him in the bullpen. What, what do you do with Josh Hader if he can't close games? Throw him where, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I just go. Don't I'm good on Hader. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't work. It sounds like the Dodgers will, will. One last thing about markets is uh, the Dodgers said that they are in the market for a right handed hitting outfielder that can hit left handed uh, pitching. Um, they have been rumored to be heavily involved with Teoscar Hernandez. So Andrew Friedman basically just coming out and saying, like, yeah, I'm going to go get Teoscar Hernandez. And dude, like, they'll have three elite hitters in Betts, Freeman, and Otani, and then just round out the rest of the lineup with a bunch of just average to good hitters. And they'll, but they'll put them in the situations where they'll turn them into great hitters. Like Hayward won't face a lefty. Teoscar will probably not play against a lot of righties. Um, he will, because he, you know, he's still relatively okay against righties and everything, but they'll make Teoscar better. Um, they'll put, they'll, it'll allow them to put Outman against left, less lefties. It'll allow them to put, you know, Taylor in the lineup in different situations, allows Muncie to face less lefties and everything. If you need to, like, there's just so many different directions they can go in if they sign Teoscar Hernandez. And it's just more proof that they're the best ran team in sports. And I know I have said it a lot on this podcast, but God damn it, man. Like if they sign Hernandez, I think if, I know the projected win total might not show it, but I would say it puts them on par with Atlanta as like the best team in baseball. They're, I'd, I'd still like them to sign like another pitcher, but goddamn man, that team is special.
Yeah, they they are incredibly ran. They they spend money, which is what you should do. Um, they put themselves in positions to spend a lot. Like they're just objectively, it's a really really well like it's it's a well ran organization. It's a well oiled machine. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Max. It's this is exactly what it felt like they were set up setting themselves up to do um, for next year. The zips. I, I think it just this is like four minutes ago. The zips uh, sneak peek at the depth chart for the Dodgers just dropped. And it's it looks really good. You've got you know bets. Uh, you've got at second base four point one WAR with bets splitting time there, and then in the outfield he's spending time there as well. Three point one WAR right field, three point one at center, one point four in left, one point nine at short, two point three at third, four point one at second, four point four at first, three point nine at DH, four point one at catcher. That's just you're stacked. Right? Like you're just stacked with a, a lot of positions that are going to play extremely well. The rotation features four guys with two point with two point six or more projected WAR. Their fifth star is a little bit of a eh, right. They have Sheehan. Uh, she, I, can't, I, I don't know if I butchered his last name. Sheehan. Yeah, but like one point two WAR right for a fifth starter is right around what you expect, and you can potentially even get more. Maybe Cal Hurt breaks out this year. Um, you can't doubt the Dodge when it comes to pitching development. Obviously, yeah, three point two WAR might be a little bit generous for Glassnow because he never pitches, but there's a world where he gives you like 120 innings and there are 120 elite innings and he does put up 3.2 war. Um, end of the day, like, I mean, Max, this team is just incredible. Like, this is a fucking stupidly good team. Like, I know, it's just no other way to put it. You know what's crazy is I, I saw 4.1 projected war for Will Smith or the Dodgers catchers. And I was like, that feels low. I know his WRC plus has dropped uh, basically every year since 2020, but it was 119 last year with basically a better walk rate, same strikeout rate, and uh, the batted ball data was like just a few ticks down. The barrel percentage dropped a lot for some weird reason, but I'm sure that's a blip. But like, dude, Will Smith is really good. Like he put up 4.4 Fangraphs for last year. I There's no way they don't beat that 4.1 projection. Like he's too good. He could beat that by himself. He could be a five-win player next year. He's super good. It's just, again... Another sign that the Dodgers are just a machine. Wow, he played 126 games and 550 plate appearances last year. I didn't realize that. He's also only 29, or he's turning uh, 29 in March, I should say. So, God, dude, must be nice. <laughs> must be nice to be uh, this well ran. Um, Ryan, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Um, we, uh, I appreciate your thoughts as always. To our listeners, thank you very much for listening we are very excited to kind of keep going into the new year hopefully there are some more deals made and everything uh hopefully we get some some progress towards some of those bigger names and you know i didn't even mention matt chapman so that that shows where we're at we're just waiting for the scott boris guys to fall damn you scott boris but also don't damn you've done a lot of really good things for baseball to keep getting players paid um remember to rate review and subscribe to the podcast uh we will see you guys soon and have a good rest of your week (music) Thank <music> you.